This episode of the Baby Tribe podcast is proudly sponsored by HappyTummy.ie, the exclusive distributor of BioGaia probiotics for babies. That's right. And as parents ourselves, we know how crucial it is to prioritize their children's health. BioGaia probiotics have been clinically proven to support digestive health and reduce the duration of crying in babies experiencing colic. Absolutely. And HappyTummy.ie makes it incredibly convenient for parents to access these products. Amazing. So for all your probiotic needs, head on over to happytummy.ie. And Baby Tribe listeners can enjoy a 10% discount on all products at happytummy.ie with the code BABYTRIBE10. Okay, let's get on with the episode. Welcome to the Baby Tribe podcast, where we will explore the beautiful chaos of parenthood and discover the joys and challenges of nurturing our little ones. We are your hosts, Katie Mugan and Afif El-Kafash. Each week, we'll bring you the latest information on all things to do with parenting and delve into insightful conversations with experienced parents to bring you practical tips, heartwarming stories and a dose of laughter that every parent can relate to. So grab your coffee, find a cosy spot and join us as we embark on this unforgettable journey of parenthood together. Welcome to the Baby Tribe. What cosy spot is a parent going to find? Just put on your ear pods and out you go for that walk and you'll get to tune in and listen to myself and Afif talking everything small babies related. Let's get to it. Hello everyone and welcome back to a new season of the Baby Tribe podcast. We are so happy to be back. We had a lovely break over the summer and we are back with a new look, aren't we Katie? We are. Um, and just to go back there, Afif, uh, you, um, I believe, were cheating on me over the summer, if we want to clarify things. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me, Rachel from Friends. <laughs> um, just like Ross said, we were on a break and I was free to go wherever I wanted. Yes, you actually did a really good podcast with the uh, Incubator. I did. And unlike your podcast, I actually gave you a very nice shout out at the end of, of the, at the end of that episode. Oh, you're just trying to hold on to me, Afif. That's all. I know. I know. Did you miss me? I did. How was your summer? My summer was good, actually. We decided to do the patriotic thing and do a staycation in Ireland. We spent a few days in Dingle, a few days in Lahinch and a few days in Cork. My sister came over from Kuwait. My brother came over from Canada. We had an absolutely fantastic time. Rented a nine-seater bus. Oh, wow. Who drove? I drove 1,500 kilometers across Ireland. And the car actually tells you the duration of driving. So I drove for a total of 24 hours in that 10-day period. Oh, wow. I just so you saw every nook and cranny of Ireland. Every nook and cranny. The West Coast. The West Coast. And I have to say, it's actually fabulous. Ireland is amazing when the weather is nice. We had a few rainy days in Dingle, but... You know what? My sister loves the rain. So she was actually delighted when the sun went away. It's probably so hot over there in Kuwait that they probably relish this uh, cooler climate. Yeah, people keep talking about the heat wave in Europe um, while it's currently 55 degrees at the end of August in Kuwait. Oh my God, how could you even function at that heat? Um, You can't. You just stay indoors and hope for the best. But even at nighttime, like when it's pitch black, it's in the mid to high 40s. Oh my God. And we talk about here like the, you know, 20s. And if we get a good weather, 25, it's like we suffer I here. Know. But so how was your holiday? Holidays were fab. It was actually so lovely just to take a break and spend time with the family. We, the sun, well, I mean, we were delighted to get over it to see a little bit of heat. Uh, I think we hit kind of just before the major heat wave. It was probably in around 36 to 38 degrees. Um, 
But you know yourself, the real feel is always a bit hotter. But when you're lounging by the pool, dipping in and out and having a cool glass of vino on the other side, it was fabulous. Can't complain. I remember because we had our summer holidays at the same time. And I remember one rainy evening while we were kind of cooped up in the house in Dingle, you were posting all these beautiful, sunny Instagram stories. And I was so jealous. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. We went to France for many years and I think it was just timeline and everything else that we ended up with really bad rain. And I just said to Jim, that is it. We need sunshine. I need something to put a bit of warmth back in the bones. And it just rejuvenated me. It was fabulous. Yeah, well, it looked it looked fabulous. Anyway, we're back. Back to the grind. Back with even a better lineup than last year. Yes, we actually are shaking things up a little bit. And I think... Before we get into that, I just want to thank all our listeners for the support that they have given us throughout season one. It was a very successful season. We had a huge amount of really positive feedback and we have taken that all on board and we are changing things up a little bit. So we are going to have a guest on with every episode. We are going to bring you high profile mums and dads that are going to share their parenting experience and tell us a little bit more about themselves in a bit of a kind of raw, uncensored way. Isn't that right? Yeah. And I'm actually so excited to share it with you. We've had loads of DMs about myself and Afif over the summer saying, when is the Baby Tribe podcast coming back? Um, And we have a better lineup than we had before. So really excited to share them with you. Yeah. And we had actually, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but people loved the nerdy segment. (laughs) Isn't that right? Yeah, I, I like the nerdy segment too. Yeah. I just love how you get so in, you know, enthralled in it and yeah. you're pulling out those uh, reports and figures. No, it's really exciting. So we're going to hold on to a bit of the nerdy segment at the beginning of each episode. So how it's going to go um, from now on is that, is that we are going to share some information relevant to parents before each guest and then take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get going. So absolutely. What are we talking about today? Well, Today, we are actually going to briefly talk about the benefits of breastfeeding compared to formula feeding. And we both recognize that this is a very sensitive topic whenever it comes across in the media. And every now and again, um, you come across headlines telling us about the benefits of breastfeeding and how babies do so much better if they have been breastfed over the first few months following delivery compared to formula fed babies. And although there is definitely an element of truth to that, and we all know the benefits of breastfeeding, we don't need to keep kind of going over them. I sometimes feel that the media exaggerate the results. And that leads to a lot of anxiety amongst parents, feelings of guilt, feelings that you did your babies a disservice if you chose to give them formula, or if your breastfeeding journey did not work out. What do you think, Katie? Absolutely. We see it as clinicians time and time again, parents feeling this huge amount of guilt, whether they choose to formula feed or whether maybe their breastfeeding journeys don't go the way they had planned. But I really do feel that the media love to fuel the debate between formula feeding and breastfeeding just for the gain of, you know, good, a good chat on the radio or newspaper article. Um, instead of looking at the figures. And that's what we're going to look at now, some research. Yeah, looking at the figures and the facts. And you're right, the debate always ends up being breastfeeding versus formula feeding. And you know yourself, Katie, from dealing with so many parents and mums and babies and the same here with myself. It's never an exclusive relationship with one feeding method over another. In fact, the majority of families that I deal with use formula a lot of the time as top ups or as a means of 
um, you know, managing the day-to-day activities and things like that. So it's never really in reality, either breastfeeding or formula. And when the studies talk about the benefits of breastfeeding, I think they miss the fact that a lot of parents sometimes use a mixture of both. And the other thing, in my opinion, that the studies miss on is how so many other things impact how babies turn out down the line. For example, one study that was published recently in the literature that was picked up by the media looked at the relationship between the duration of breastfeeding over the first year and the GCSE exam results, specifically in English and math, when the children were sitting those when they were 16, 17, 18 years of age. So equivalent to the Leaving Cert, but for the UK system. And what the study has found as a headline, and I'm doing um, quotation marks um, in the air if people can't see what well, they can't see because we're on podcast on podcast. Yeah. Is that it showed a significant increase in the grades and the pass rates in infants that breastfed compared to infants that didn't. Those were the headlines that were picked up by the media. And I remember when that paper came out, the level of guilt a lot of families felt thinking actually, that because my baby formula fed, they're going to fail their English and math exams. And that is my fault. And that feeling is unfair, I think. And parents shouldn't feel that. And we're going to delve into why that is. Have you come across that yourself when that came out? Yeah, there's loads of parents out there that I think no matter what, they always hold that little bit of guilt if they don't breastfeed or if their breastfeeding journey ends before They had planned it to end and we hear it all the time. Breastfeeding is, and we know breastfeeding is obviously the better form of nutrition in many ways, but it doesn't exchange for a good bond or communication between a baby and a parent. So we're seeing it, you can say yourself, Afif, we see it all the time about people being told your baby is going to succeed so much better with regards if they breastfeed or if they breastfeed for longer. When this is what we're we're trying to look and break down the research now and show you what it actually showed in this study. You, you fire ahead. Yeah. So what they did was they looked at this kind of simple comparison and they compared infants that breastfed compared to infants that didn't and received formula. And what they shown was there was a definite relationship when they looked at it that way between breastfeeding exposure and better grades in English and math down the line. And what they did as well was they looked at the duration of breastfeeding. So the longer a child breastfed, the better their exam results were. So taking that at face value, it does seem that there's a big, strong relationship between the duration of breastfeeding and school attainment really down the line. However... What the authors also did, and they acknowledged this in the paper, the media didn't discuss this or pick up on this nuance, is that they took a lot of other factors into consideration as well and then looked at the relationship again. So what factors did they look at? Well, they looked at other things that could also determine outcome. They looked at the social economic position of these families. They looked at the parental education. They looked at the gestational age of the babies um, at birth. So how many weeks were they? Were they early? Were they late? Were they very premature? They looked at whether there was older siblings at home and the ethnicity and the language spoken at home. So when they took a lot of these factors into consideration, the relationship between breastfeeding and school outcomes down the line diminished. So almost to the point where there was actually very little relationship between the duration of breastfeeding and those outcomes. So am I poo-pooing breastfeeding? Absolutely not. 
What we are saying here is that breastfeeding is not the defining feature of how a baby turns out down the line. There are so many other things. For example, if you don't breastfeed, but you do everything else to the best of your ability, then your baby's going to turn out absolutely fine. Fully agree with you there. Like, I think, again, it comes down to looking at our communication skills with the babies, how we care for them, how we handle. And again, you can have a baby that is breastfed and a parent that doesn't engage in any other manner. And there we'll see a discrepancy as well. So I think you're dead right. It's not only how we feed our babies, but also how we interact with them. Breast milk, we know, contains an awful lot more non-nutritive ingredients that can actually lead to healthy brain growth and development. But if you provide that without having all the other interactions in place, then you're still going to come out with the same outcome of a baby that may not communicate as well. And we look at how they develop over a period of time, not just at a very specific in the early days. Yeah. And we actually discussed in season one about the importance of communicating with your child. And there's several studies that demonstrate that talking to your baby from very, very early on can actually change the wiring of the baby's brain leading to better language attainment down the line and better development down the line. So that is within every parent's power to talk to their baby, right? And it is something that I think is not emphasized enough that there are so many other things that influence outcomes in babies down the line. Yeah, I mean, we all like when we look at our babies and we're chatting away in the very early days, we'll see they'll mirror our facial features. So when we start those smile, like when we see those first smiles, that's because that's, we're interacting with them. They, we smile at them continuously um, that they will actually often start mirroring our own facial cues. So like our, in those very early days, it's all about how we handle our babies, how we communicate or building our bond with a baby. And that can come whether you're formal feeding or breastfeeding. Having good, uh, being able to look at your baby while feeding the bottle as well as when we're breastfeeding and having that good interaction too. Yeah, absolutely. So I think hopefully this will kind of clarify a lot of these things. And the next time you see a paper looking at the benefits of breastfeeding, take into consideration all the other factors that also improve outcomes in babies. Yeah, I think we really just need to focus on breaking down the the myths surrounding both breast and formula feeding. And I think the media really try to emphasize and build a little bit of a, how would you put? Uh, a divide. A divide. And I think they fuel it. And I think also the formula companies help to fuel that because it leads to parents who do have that guilt. And no matter what we say, we can't take away parental guilt when we feel it. If something doesn't go the way we had planned it and, you know, we can have a little bit more raw feelings towards formula if things haven't gone our way. So, yeah, I think when we see these studies and all these media um, big headlines when it comes to breastfeeding versus formula, we need to look at the research. We need to really break it down and actually see what it really is telling us. Yes. And on on that topic, I think we'll digress a little bit and talk about advertising for formula products. And this has been in the media recently where there is a kind of move to try and restrict the advertising of formula products. Unfortunately, the debate always gets conflated with pitching formula against breastfeeding. And both myself and yourself, Katie, have come out publicly to say that we are both in support of restricting the advertising of formula products. However, none of us would ever be in favour of restricting access to formula products. Isn't that right? 
Absolutely. And I'd even go a step further and say we are more in favour of educating parents around formula. Um, that doesn't equate to because we're saying stop the re- or restrict the formula advertising that we're saying stop educating our parents towards it. I think more parents need more education on the on the side of formula feeding and bottle feeding and all that. Um, and by restricting formula advertising does not e- it doesn't equal the same that we're saying you can't educate people on formula. So let's talk about why we are in favour of restricting advertising. The reason we always kind of call for that is because of the fact that a lot of the advertisements are underhanded and misleading and make false claims about their products. These advertisements often in an underhanded way, I think, pathologize a lot of normal baby behaviors. And we've addressed this in in, in, the, in our previous season, discussing how, you know, sometimes formulas are advertised to improve baby sleep or settle a hungry baby or reduce the duration of crying, or actually boost your immune system, or promote brain development. All of these claims, there actually has been a lot of studies demonstrating how none of these claims are actually substantiated, meaning that there is no evidence base behind them. Are we saying that formula is bad? No, we are not. But what we're saying is formula is not the answer to common problems that you encounter when you have a young baby. The second thing is the number one formula, the first stage formula, which is the formula that the baby needs throughout the first 12 months following delivery, is there's actually a definite ban on advertising these products. So what the formula companies do is that they have developed stage two and toddler formulas that they can advertise to bring their brand into the forefront. And it was it's a sort of underhanded way of advertising the stage one formula that babies actually need. The other problem I have is that even as a healthcare provider, whenever I go on the internet to try and research a topic about infant feeding, infant nutrition, infant formula, whenever you type, you know, colic or let's say reflux or let's say a sleepy baby or sorry, a baby that doesn't sleep or a hungry baby, the first few lines on the Google search are actually advertisements for formula companies. And I'm sure you've come across that as well, Katie. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, I'm hounded by uh, formula advertising um, just because I suppose on my Instagram page, I do an awful lot on infant feeding, both breastfeeding and formula feeding. So I would say every time I flick through reels, I get one after the other after the other of advertisements by formula company. And these really do target even pregnant parents, uh, pregnant women, if they are, you know, looking at the same kind of things with regards to new babies, you will, they will see these advertisements coming up. And it's very underhand in that they will have breastfeeding support available by the formula company. Um, And they do this because it kind of, again, leads parents to believe, oh, well, they're on the side of kind of breastfeeding, but at the same time, they're purely advertising their products. I think we can't dispute that Ireland is one of the lowest breastfeeding rates in Europe. We have by nature, uh, uh, predominantly, formula feeding culture, um, if not combined breastfeeding and formula. So we can see by the rates that they kind of in most mother parents that initiate breastfeeding, you're in around, you know, over the 60 percent. By the time they are uh, leaving the hospital, there is less than kind of probably in around 40 percent exclusively breastfeeding. So we've already got a combination, um, an element of combination feeding. We don't need to advertise formula feeding any more than that. What we do need is educating parents about how we feed our babies, how the bottle is given, about volumes, about the formula itself, 
but no one formula is better than the other. And if we can stop and reduce down the advertising, then maybe this may be passed on to the consumer because paying anywhere between 16 and 18 euros for a tin of formula is scandalous in this day and age. And especially when parents are on the breadline. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if the billions that are spent on advertising could be invested in reducing the price of formula and making it more accessible to parents, that's what we need. But we actually have to put our hand up and admit the shortcomings of, I suppose, um, the healthcare provider side in that the only reason formula companies are occupying that support space is because it's lacking from evidence-based sources. So we actually really need to improve the supports that we have for parents to make an informed choice um, of feeding. Yeah. And I think Regardless, we can go out and, you know, we're both lactation consultants of FIFA and say that we are true breastfeeding advocates. However, we both know that the support and education for breastfeeding within our healthcare service is not where it should be. And that's not knocking any of our healthcare professionals or staff. It's down to lack of staffing, uh, lack of support. And oftentimes they just don't have the means to be able to provide that additional support. The government needs to look and invest in more lactation support, into more breastfeeding supports, both in the postnatal or in the antenatal period and the postnatal period, um, both in the hospital setting and the community setting. So parents that want to breastfeed have a more positive outcome, that they have a more, I suppose it's available to all parents and not just those that can afford it. Great. So a lot more work to be done from our end. Absolutely. So after that great bit, Afif, who do we have on as our very first guest? Oh, I am so excited. I'm a big fan and I'm so delighted that she agreed to come on. We actually have Alva Garahi as the main guest of today's episode. Alva Garahi is a businesswoman, an influencer and a mum of two boys. Alongside her dad, she runs their family business, Dublin Bay Cruises, which operates daily leisurely boat trips on Dublin Bay. Now in its 11th year, the company has won multiple awards and this year Alva was shortlisted in the Image Business Woman of the Year awards in the family business category. Alva has a massive following on Instagram of over 100,000 followers on her page. She regularly posts about fashion, travel, house bits and mostly being a mum of two. Oh my God, I can't wait. Let's get started. Alva. Thank you so much for joining us in our first episode of the new season of the Baby Tribe podcast. We are so delighted to have you. I'm sorry Katie couldn't be here. She just had other things to do today, but it's going to be just the two of us having a chat if that's okay. That's great. Thank you, Fief. I'm absolutely delighted to be asked. So big fan of the podcast. Oh no, thank you very much. Thank you very much. So I suppose we'll launch straight into it. The reason um, we have you on is that we'd really like to interview high profile mums who, you know, are trying to balance being a mum, being a parent, and also running their business and talk about that and see um, where we go from here. So Alva, tell us about what you do at the moment. So I am the general manager of Dublin Bay Cruises, which is our family business. It was set up in 2013. Um, So we're 11 years in business now. This is our 11th year. We operate sailings on Dublin Bay um, between Dublin City Centre, Dunleary and Hoth. Um, six days a week between April and October. So it's a seasonal business. People say, oh, you have the winters off. It's like, no, I do everything that I don't get a chance to do in the summer, in the busy summer season during the winter. Um, and it's a great little business. It's gone from strength to strength. We started out just kind of bringing families, day trippers, tourists um, on, on guided tours on Dublin Bay. But it's grown into a big corporate business now. A lot of, you know, big companies like KPMG, PwC, Google, Facebook, 
are booking their staff outings now on our boat, uh, their summer barbecues or their summer nights out um, or their team building events. So it's really gone from strength to strength and um, we're loving it. Yeah, it's great. It's a nice little. It actually sounds absolutely amazing. And I have a confession to, to, to make. I, we were chatting off air. <laughs> well, actually, I've been in Ireland now 27 years and I'm yet to actually go um, off land. Okay. I know it's oh it's mental. God. So I need to, we need to actually book it. It sounds like it's an amazing out. thing yeah. to do. And you find that, you know, Dubliners come on board and they're like, how did I not know that Dublin Bay was so beautiful? Yeah. You know, we're so used to looking at Dublin, Dublin Bay from the land, but we don't know what, how beautiful Dublin is from looking at it from yeah. the water. It's, it's, it's spectacular. And even actually seeing the lighthouses from, from the other side. Absolutely. Where they're intended to be seen yes, from, really. Exactly. Um, of course. Yeah. Um, sounds, sounds amazing. It is. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, you know, a lot of people think in Ireland, you have to go to the West coast down to the cliffs of Moher to see, you know, beautiful coastline, but it's not actually the case. Yeah. I know I'm very biased, but it, it is. Well, you please come out. We'd love to have yeah, you. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, we have to plan a trip soon. Um, so, yeah, it's fantastic. And we'll go into, um, I suppose, your day-to-day workings in the business in a second. But you're a mum to Sean and Fionn. I am. Fionn is a friend of mine. We, yes. we met, um, you know, when he was a few days old and you he You were one great. of the very first people to meet Fionn, to yeah. meet Fionn in the Rotunda. You, um, yeah, I wanted to talk about this because it meant an awful lot to me, Aviv. I was, um, it was the day I was being discharged. No, it was the day before I was being discharged and you, I had followed you on Instagram and you followed me. Um, because I had had watched a live that you did with Katie on Instagram about two weeks before Fionn was born. And you reached out and said, you know, hope all is well. If you want me to come up and take a look at Fionn and check him out, you know, make sure everything is is good, I would be happy to do so. And that meant so much to me because as a mother, those first few days, you're so vulnerable and you're so kind of nervous and overwhelmed. And um, even though he was my second, I'd done it before, but, you know, um, and you ended up doing his, you know, his full check before we were discharged. And it was just so lovely that you, 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 you came up and, and gave me, you know, the green light and said that everything was looking good. So thank you so much again for that. It meant so much to me at that time. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's lovely to hear. And I suppose on that, it's amazing the kind of the vulnerability you describe, because when I met you, you felt quite relaxed and quite confident. But I, I suppose a lot of the time, a lot of this vulnerability is internalized. And it's not something that may come across. So it's important to realize that it can be a very difficult time for a variety of reasons when you have a newborn. And even though you might have had a baby beforehand, you kind of forget and the vulnerability does come back. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I might have appeared relaxed because you were in the room and I was like, you know, someone who knows everything about this is here. And I could, I felt, you know, but I, yeah, you definitely, I guess anytime the likes of you or one of the midwives or even the catering staff came into the room. You're all like knights in shining armor. It's like, this is who I want to see in this moment, you know, just to ask any questions I might have. But of course, you know, I suppose we all, you know, want to appear like we're, we're doing fine and everything's good here. But yeah, it's, and I think it's only when you look back that you're kind of like, yeah, you really are, you know, it's kind of almost like a blur those first few days. It really is. You're just in survival mode, you know, and trying to make sure you're feeding enough, you know, the lat, you know, he's getting the latch and, you know, you, he's had enough wet nappies, enough dirty nappies. And yeah, it's, it's definitely a blur looking back and it's, it's a mad time. Yeah. And, and on that, I mean, did you feel prepared for having Fionn? I don't know if you're ever prepared for a newborn, fully prepared. 
I was probably a little less nervous. I had a very good birth experience with Sean. I just loved every minute of it. And luckily this time around, I was induced both times. So they were both very similar. I guess just going into this, I, you know, a few people asked me, my doctor, Jennifer Donnelly and a few others, you know, what do you want from this birth? If I could recreate what happened with Sean, I'd be very happy. And it was very similar. I think from the time I was induced to the time they, was, they were born, there was about maybe two hours less with Fiona or something like that. So I was less nervous about the birth. And um, because I'd done it before, I think most people probably are. But yeah, I don't think you're ever fully prepared because, again, you know, the birth can go well and you don't know how the, f- the following few days are going to go. Um, in terms of feeding this time, so I breastfed Sean for 11 weeks and I was a little bit disappointed with that. I, I thought I'd go much longer, but I found it quite difficult. You know, he was kind of slow to put on weight and stuff like that. But now we're five months in with Fiona and I'm still going with the feeding, so I'm very proud of myself I have to say I did a post there last week on my Instagram I was just feeding him away and I was just thinking god five months have just kind of gone like that and we've gotten to this stage and it's really enjoyable you know and it doesn't you know okay it was painful at the start and you know it's difficult in the first few weeks but I was like I, I'm, I'm so thrilled that we've gotten this far I don't know how far we'll go but um in that sense I think probably because he was the second child and I was probably a little bit more relaxed with the feeding I kind of blocked out any outside noise about his weight and things like that and his weight just kept increasing and it just went a little bit easier. So I think I can't explain why I have fed him for so much longer than I've than I fed Sean. But I think it's just experience of being a mother before and going with your gut and just kind of, you know, you know what's best for baby. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah. So sorry, that's a very long winded. No, no, absolutely. And you raise a couple of really important points that I sort of want to expand on a little bit is that each, if you have more than one baby, each journey is completely different and your experiences may have been completely reversed. You may have had an easy time with baby number one and then baby number two can come and something can happen. And I've heard that that can happen too. No, absolutely. And, you know, Katie often said that she has four children and she had a different experience. With everyone. With everyone. Even though she has a lactation consultant background, she also felt challenged. So, and it's just can't plan it. You You can't plan it. And and it's really funny. So when we had our first child 15 years ago Mm. and um, we were both doctors, yes, we were in training, but we were sort of advanced in our training career. And I was in pediatrics at the time. And my wife used to remember people coming to her saying, oh, you're so lucky you've got a pediatrician at hand to help you. And she used to say, no, he's fucking useless. (laughs) he's a he's a parent he doesn't know and I remember and I remember the vulnerability that we both felt when my daughter was born and this is two doctors in that field in that field and I was actually we had her in Hollis Street I was working as a senior registrar in Hollis Street at the time and I was doing baby checks and I was advising parents on feeding and I was doing all of that but the minute you become a parent it's your own child and it's your own child everything goes out the window it's amazing and I remember thinking, I don't know what to do. And she wouldn't latch. She wouldn't feed. And we panicked. And the midwives were great in helping us and in supporting us. And, you know, my consultant at the time who was training me also came and did the check for my daughter. And he was telling me, if you've come on, you know this. I was like, no, I don't. You know, it's it's, it's all gone out the window. It's kind of like a mental block or something when it's your own. I I suppose the love takes over too. Yeah. And it's no matter what you do when, when you're dealing with other people's kids yes it's a career and a vocation but they're not yours so you can be objective you can say look this is what I think is going on I suppose in a systematic way yes of course putting emotion out of it of course there's always emotion and connection with the parents but you always look at the problem in front of you yeah yeah but when it's your own that all goes out the window yeah yeah I mean my daughter had reflux um and 
I deal with reflux on a daily basis with, yeah. with, with parents. And it took us nine months to realize that she had okay. reflux. And it, we actually brought her to the emergency room thinking she won't stop crying. There must mm. be something wrong with her. And again, another colleague of mine, medicine is a small word, like Afif, she just has reflux. Okay. <laughs> Come on, Afif, you know this. <laughs> Come on, yeah, you know this. So, and so it is very vulnerable <laughs> and it's, it's lovely that you sort of, you know, kind of describe it that way. I also wanted to ask, did you feel supported? when your babies were born in, in, in the hospital environment? Oh, in the hospital? Absolutely. I'll only ever say good things about the Rotunda. I'll never forget the day I was leaving after having Fiona and I was up in, you know, the room I was in up in the Lily Suite and I was looking at it and it was a gorgeous day like today. And the emotion just took over and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed because I just felt so grateful. Um, in the hospital, I just, you know, from the time we've had our first scan to the time I left after having both babies, it's just such a special place, you know, and, um, you know, there are lo- so many women in there, but you f- you almost feel like you're the only one. You're s- I just found I'll always I'll only ever say great things about the Rotunda, the midwives, the catering staff um, the likes of yourself and um, my my consultant, Jennifer Donnelly, just unbelievable support. Amazing. And then you leave and you're like, what do I do now? You know, when I had Sean, it was the height of COVID. So we got married in 2019. October, we were lucky to get our wedding in and then 2020 hit. Uh, I found out I was pregnant in the January of 2020. So March then COVID hit. So um, and he was born in in August. So that was crazy, a crazy time. That was um, now I didn't know any different because he was my first. But things like the difference between baby one and baby two and the public health nurse checks. I had to bring Sean to the local centre with masks and the whole lot and that, looking back, that was difficult because, like as I said, he was kind of slow to put on weight. So Rory, my husband, couldn't come with me. It was me and Sean. He was like three days old. And, you know, oh, you know, yeah, his weight's a little bit slow now. You know, it's kind of, we wanted it to be moving in the other direction. And looking back now, like I was, I just, I remember leaving and putting me into the car, remembering that I was only three days postpartum too and just bawling my eyes out. And even the drive home alone, you know, it's it's such a crazy time. It was only 10 minute drive. Whereas this time the public health nurse could come to me and I was so in our we hadn't moved house yet we had a bedroom downstairs so people might think this is crazy but I do know a lot of my friends do it too we just decided okay Rory if Sean wakes up in the middle of the night you deal with him I'm feeding Fionn I'll deal with him so we slept in separate bedrooms for the first 10 weeks of Fionn's life because it made sense you know there's no point in both of us being exhausted but my point being my room was downstairs so the public health nurse could come in It was my little sanctuary with Fionn. I had my changing unit. I had, you know, all his clothes, you know, to strip him off for being weighed. It was just so much easier. Um, So in that sense, definitely felt more supported with Fionn. But purely because of the pandemic, it was just a mental time with Sean. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you raise that because obviously we had to work through the, um, through the, through the, through the pandemic and the lack of support in the community was very, very real. And yeah. we felt that in the rotunda because we, okay. a lot of the parents had to come back, come back to us in. for yeah. a variety of reasons. And it's not ideal. You need to be in your own environment. You need to be supported in your own environment. Okay. And that, I think one thing that we really need to improve on going forward is the support for mums and parents once they, they leave, leave the hospital. Um, I think there's still a lot of understaffing in the community. The public health nurses do an amazing job, they but do. sometimes they can't be everywhere at once. Of course. And um, I think we do need to improve on that. And what you describe as a case in point, two contrasting stories between Sean and Fionn, you yeah. know, so yeah. it's um, 
No, it's it's very real. And I remember even my clinic during COVID, we had to stop for two weeks, but then, you know, we kind of reopened very quickly. Yeah. Mums couldn't bring their partners with them. Yeah. So even something as simple as navigating the car parking and bringing the baby into the, and it's not easy to park around, you know, the city centre and things like that. So all of these things really, really build up. And they seem like small things, but they're not when you've just had a baby, you know, they really aren't. Um, A lot of tasks feel like a big task because, especially when it's your first, you know, you're still getting to know the baby. You don't know when they're going to kick off. You don't know when there's going to be a punami. You don't know, you know, so it's, yeah. We, um, we actually, we had, um, we had a punami that 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 um, almost kind of brought down an airline. Actually, <laughs> I remember us landing. We were flying back from Kuwait, and Maggie was only about four months old, oh. and we were flying from Kuwait to Dubai en route to to Ireland. Yeah, and um, you you know the face. Oh, you know it. It's coming. The face that they make, and and literally the plane was landing as the face started, and then you could see the brown so discoloration. No, nope, we were strapped in. Poor Anne was holding Maggie. The, the the brown discoloration was descending. It didn't stop. Oh, stop. Kept going, oh kept going, God. kept going. We had to use the pillows to stop it from going know, everywhere. Going everywhere. Oh, my God. And the plane landed. Everybody got off the plane. We're like, we can't move. We can't move. Just until Until everybody left. Everybody left. We were like, please, can we change her? And, you know, the, the, the staff took one look at us and said, yes, yes, yes. We'll bring you to the very front. We opened the, the bathroom door. We couldn't close it because it was just an absolute mess. Space. About 25 minutes later, the poor air stewardess comes to us and is like, the pilot really needs to leave, to leave. the cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> it took that long. And at that stage, that everybody left, the stairs left, the bus that took oh, people to the airport stop. left. We actually got into the um, the pilot's limo. He brought us back to the oh, airport terminal my. in his limo. So oh, my God. Yeah. It was so bad you needed special That's treatment. Exactly. So we oh felt very God. special. Yeah, they were lovely. But, but yeah, punamis could strike. But is there something about the pressure in an aircraft that actually kind of makes their tummy go Oh, no, crazy? she used to do this regularly. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so you can't was, even blame yeah. that. No, no, can't even blame that. You but know, you that just was... can't plan it. I have one this morning. Like, I'm conscious that I had to be here at a certain time. I put, we were dropping Sean. I put him in the car and I was like, go oh, back into Fionn. I could just smell it as soon as I got in. I was like, why now? Five to nine. Yeah, I know. And again, full yeah. new outfit. You just can't. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. get used to it as they get older, but yeah, in the you just don't know. You have to bring you know. so many outfits with so you. Outfits. And yeah. actually, that's a funny story. I'll say very quickly. I was in a Voca yeah. with Sean when he was smaller. Naive new mother, spare outfit. He'll be grand. Massive punami up to again up to the neck in a Voca. No spare chain, spare clothes. But they have a kids' clothes section there. But it was for all the stuff was kind of more newborny stuff. The only thing they had that would fit him was a pair of kids' swimming shorts. So I bought them for like 40 euro or oh, something. Like I'd yeah. never buy him swimming shorts in the Voca. And uh, brought him out with no top on, no vest, just the swimming shorts. I'm Amazing. Happy. Amazing. I'm sure he looked very stylish. <laughs> he did. Yeah. I want to move on slightly and um, talk about work and how you kind of navigate being the mum of two kids and managing the business. Are you back involved in it now or do you still have time off? Yeah, I feel, sometimes I feel a bit kind of, nervous talking about this because I don't feel like I've nailed it high up or low down. I feel like I'm very much in, still in survival mode, I guess. Like I had him in, I had Fiona in January, for example, we only sail April to October. So I had, it was quiet time for those first kind of two months, I guess, but then things really took off and I had no choice but to be involved. So 
it's very much a case of just juggling it at the moment. Um, I still want to be with him all the time because he's only small for such a you know short amount of time. So I don't have childcare for him. It's only kind of the last month or two that I've kind of been able to predict his naps and things like that. So it's working when I can. So I can't tell dad, oh, I can have a Zoom with you at this time, this day, because I don't know if he'll be awake or asleep. So at the moment, it's very much, okay, he's asleep now. Check these emails. Oh, okay. Rory's taking him for a walk now. Uh, I can call this person now. So it's very, it's very much a juggle, but I enjoy it, you know, and I, I guess it's a case where I don't mind if when the two kids are asleep at seven or eight o'clock at night, I then do an hour or two of work. It's just the way it is. And I wouldn't have it any other way because I feel like if I totally separated and switched off from it for six months or so, I would also have a FOMO <laughs> and it just, it's just not in me to kind of totally separate myself from it. So I don't, I don't have an answer to how, to how making it all work. Maybe I'm not making it all work. It's just, I'm just winging it every day. I guess. But it, I mean, it's amazing. You've just described how you're making it work, yeah. yet you're saying that you don't know how, but yeah. you're doing it. Yeah. And it's amazing. And I want to ask, I suppose, to build on that a little bit is, are there any particular challenges you find with what you're doing at the moment? Because you're in a unique sure. situation, as you said, you're in a family business, you are passionate about it. You are back doing a time job and mm-hmm. also raising two young kids, which is a full time job. And mm-hmm. um, the support is the support there to kind of do that. Well, firstly, to be perfectly transparent, um, Sean is in a creche four days a week, half four half days, which is a huge help. Um, and I kind of weighed up whether we would do that or not. Um, but firstly, we managed to get a place from which I didn't want to lose when I am properly you know, fully back. Um, so that is massive. And it's true what they say. It takes a village. You know, I follow a girl on Instagram, Mind Mommy Coaching. Her name is Laura. And she said, you know, back in our parents' day when they were kids, they did use their village. You know, one child's with an aunt, another was with a neighbor, another was with a grandmother, another was, and they genuinely used the village. But there's something about mothers these days that are afraid to talk about their village. Just kind of like, oh no, no, I'm fine. I'm doing it. You know, I don't want to admit that I'm using help or taking help but like we wouldn't get anything done if we didn't so having Sean in creche is a huge support and a help for me my husband obviously is amazing you know we very much I think open communication we have when Sean was born or when he kind of got a little bit older we just agreed that in order for us to have a successful week and not utter carnage Everything we have going on, we need to put it into our diary and invite each other and accept each other's, you know, events or whatever is happening so that we know exactly where each other is. Because otherwise, you know, you think he's going to be home and he can mind Sean at that hour. I always say that to my friends, you know, start a diary with your partner or your husband and, you know, just have it there. Okay, what's he doing Thursday? Can I agree to this Friday? Can I, you know. But yeah, I mean, my parents are very close to us. They're no more than 15 minutes away from us now. Um, And they're amazing. You know, whenever we need them, it's, there's so much to be said to having family close by. It just, my sister lives in Clare, Avian, and she has three kids under the age of five. Um, and we only see them, you know, once or twice a month. Um, so it's so different um, for her, but having parents around and grandparents around is a huge yeah, difference. No, it's, it's, difference. it's amazing. And there's acknowledging that you need to have supports around you to mm-hmm. continue doing what you're doing. Yeah. Almost sometimes people feel like it's a weakness, yeah, you know, and it, it's, exactly. it's, it's not. Yeah. I, I've, I've, I saw a very interesting post on Instagram recently that really resonated with me is that whoever tells you marriage or a partnership is 50-50 doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> 
Yeah. One day it could be 2080, one day it can be 4060. And what one partner needs, the other partner needs to actually fulfill. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So and, true. and there may come a time where no partner can actually fill the remaining percentage of the partnership. Yeah. And if you can only give 20 and I can only give 20, you have to own up to it. You have to sit down and you have to chat about how you're going to manage through that time. Exactly. So communication really is key in order to, Absolutely. to, yeah. to, to, to kind of 100%. keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Do you um, experience any other sort of obstacles, any feelings of, and I'm, I'm going to use this word and I'm going to explain why I'm using mm-hmm. it now, guilt in, in, in oh. doing that. It's there all of the time. Mom guilt is a real thing. It really is. Um, I just think it's just naturally there, no matter what you do, you know. Um, like we had my brother-in-law's wedding there two weeks ago, had an amazing weekend. We had the kids with us at the ceremony and then my mom, absolute superhero, picked them up at like 4 p.m. and took them home to her house for the night. And we had an overnight and it was my first night leaving Fionn. Uh, and the guilt was just... Now, I did try and just block it out because I was like, no, Alva, you deserve this night with your husband, you know. Uh, but it was just there. It's just inbuilt. And then the next day was day two of the wedding. So we were humming and hawing. We wanted to see what the lie of the land was. Were kids coming? Were they not? Um, and I rang my mom and I was like, is, is he missing me? And she was like, not one bit. <laughs> He's having a ball with me here. And I was like, okay. But again, I was like, oh, I need to get back to him, you know. So it's just there. And it it can actually prevent you from enjoying yourself when you deserve, a we- you know, when it's a well-deserved night away or day away or hour away, you know. Things like, you know, I've only got my hair done once since he was born or whatever. But, you know, they're just on your mind. Is he okay? Is he looking for me? You know, it's yeah. just, it's constantly there. Afif doesn't, I don't think any mother doesn't feel that mom guilt. And it, it's very interesting how you frame it. You use the term mom guilt and you use the term mother. Oh. And I'll tell you an interesting thing. Dad guilt, um, I know. I'll tell you the, an interesting thing is when I was sort of preparing the questions for this kind of phase of our podcast, mm-hmm. I actually used um, uh, an AI algorithm to try and help me formulate questions okay. for a parenting podcast. Yeah. And um, it, I sort of, you know, kind of phrased it in a way, you know, I'm doing a podcast interviewing business women about their business and I want to explore how they tackle it while being a mother. Mm-hmm. Right. And it turned out a few questions. And my wife, who is amazing, um, uh, love of my life, I said to her, can you cast an eye on these questions and tell me, do they make sense? I know I need to modify them. Yeah. And she read through them. and. Um, she was like, okay, I want you to ask the same algorithm, the same exact question, replace businesswoman with businessman, replace mother with father. So interesting. And I did that. Exact same wording, just changed the, the gender. Yeah. And it turned out, and she was like, read the questions out to me. So me as a male read them. Yeah. And can, you know, they're exactly the same. There's, what are you asking me this for? And she was <laughs> like, read them again and read the, the mother one. I was like, they look the same to me. And I have to acknowledge my sort of unconscious bias. She was like, yes, they're exactly the same with the exception of two questions. There's no question in the father's section about guilt. And there's no question in the father's section about biases against them in the workplace after becoming a father. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the time the maternal guilt is almost imposed by society. You are supposed to feel guilty. It is. For it being is. away from your parents. It, Yet yeah. it is not expected of the fathers. 
to feel guilty for being away or to feel guilty for pursuing their career oh while they have God. young kids. It's it's crazy. And um, it's so crazy. Sorry to cut you off. No, sorry, I'm cutting across you. Yeah. It's so crazy that it also transcends into artificial intelligence. Oh my God. That, you know, the societal attitudes are also transcending in AI. into AI as well. Where that AI algorithm asked the mother whether she was guilty, but did not ask the father whether they were guilty. Isn't that interesting? That is, it's, it's gone that far. Yeah. And I think mums need to own it and, yeah. and not feel bad about not feeling guilty that when was, they spend time away from their parents, from their so, babies. And I think it's probably up to us to flip it yeah. and, and, and celebrate, you know, the time that we might have to ourselves. Yeah. I was, my sister Avian, um works in media. She's a few, she has a finger in a few different pies, but she was judging Ladies' Day at the Galway races last August. And I had just found out I was pregnant with Fionn. So I was due to be going with her, but I was her designated driver for the day because it suited, because I wasn't drinking, obviously. And she did her thing all day, you know, pick best dress, the whole lot. And then we were driving from Galway to Ennis. And part of her work that day was to do an interview with a media outlet, um, was to do her work with a media outlet. And um, so it was a phone interview. And the journalist was asking her all about the day, the style in Galway, best dressed, you know, what, you know, her idea of style. And then a bit about being a mother of three young girls. And then she said, um, after asking her all this, these questions about this long day of work Avian had, she said, um, and can I ask you, do you have childcare? And I was driving the car and, and I was like, did she actually just ask that? <laughs> And Avon was like, and she was kind of flustered. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. And I'd be lost without her. She's an amazing woman. I'm so lucky to have her. And she answered it very politely. And then the interview was over. And I said, Avon, why did you answer that question? Avon's husband owns a hotel down the west of Ireland, the Armada. And I said, do you think John goes into work every day and has a really busy day as you've just had and gets asked who's minding his kids? I was like, not in a million years. It's just expected that that's all just taken care of. Yeah. Whereas this was the question in the interview. I was like, I, I was so angry. I was just like, how does this person think Avian just did a full day's work? Yeah. Left her kids at home on their own. I know. Oh, I know. it was and just crazy. It really, know, it really annoyed me. It yeah, really and did. myself and my wife have parallel careers. We're both doctors. We're both very, yeah. very busy. I never get asked, who's minding your kids at home? She get asked that all, all the, time. the time. Who's minding your kids at home? And we have a full-time childcare, yeah. you know, that, that it, and we need that. Yeah. We can't function no. without how having that. How could you that. work? Yeah, no. how could you provide for your kids? Yeah. Um, did... Becoming a parent change your leadership style in any way? In terms of work? Yeah, in terms of work. I think so, yeah. I mean, when I look back pre-kids, the amount of time I would spend on certain tasks because I had the time. Yeah. And when looking back, it was probably a lot of time wasted because now you have an hour, you have one hour to do these five tasks. One of those tasks might have taken me two hours, you know, pre-kids. So definitely my time management a whole lot better. I think when you're under pressure, you know, you have to get something done and 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 you still do it just as well. You just don't dilly-dally, as my mom says. You yeah. just get it done. You have to cut out the BS because you don't have out, time for it. I think you become more efficient. 100%. You know, and um, yeah. it's 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 funny in that, and I, and I, and I notice it um, with my wife because sometimes, you know, she's an anaesthetist in the same hospital mm-hmm. and I work as a neonatologist in the same hospital. Sometimes we rarely see each other at work. Okay. But sometimes when there's a dire emergency in, in, in theatre, a baby has to come out quickly. She would be the anaesthetist okay. taking care of the mum. I would be there. Right. And how she deals with people around her is amazing in that 
I was like, Anne, it's, it's as if you're talking to Faisal, you know? It's like she cuts down. She's like, no, you do this and do this and let's do this in an emergency. No BS. You just cut out the BS. Absolutely. You treat them like you treat Faisal because Faisal, you have to like be, you're doing firm. this now firm. That's and I happening. was like, it's amazing, you I know? know. And um, except the only sort of thing that lingered is when I first had Faisal and he started walking and you're saying things like, good boy, good boy, it's great. And I remember <laughs> teaching... Um, uh, a junior doctor, a procedure, and he got it done. And good he boy. Going, good boy. <laughs> and he just sort of looked at me thinking, I was like, I'm not a dog. I was like, I'm so sorry. sorry. I'm just used to saying. I'm so used to speaking with my son. Yeah. I'm, That's hilarious. And I actually had to explain to him, I'm really sorry. Like, I boy. genuinely didn't mean that yeah. in a patronizing way. Yeah. Oh, it's, 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 it's amazing. Um, you've, you've, you had a very kind of fulfilling and busy career. And you talked about the support that you have. Any mentors that stick to mind? Um, I guess when I first started out, um, I, so I did, I studied in DCU, I did a business studies degree and I specialized in marketing. And then I joined the Jemison graduate program with Irish distillers, which was great fun for two years. And I learned a lot there. You know, I was a brand ambassador for Jemison in Amsterdam for a year and then in Sydney for a year. As a graduate, you're kind of just starting out in the world and, uh, and you're learning a lot about business and how things work. So, um, I guess I learned a lot of what I know from, from Irish distillers and, and it's funny to, to be thanking Jemison Irish whiskey yeah. for all I know but genuinely I mean that they were they were amazing and it was a great start and a great kickstart of my my career I guess yeah and and it it wasn't until my time in Toronto that I realized how much travel is important for for oh, self-growth isn't it because you spent time in the Netherlands and then and in then Australia Sydney. as well yeah. in Sydney yeah just gives you a whole new perspective on, it really on does. things and um I have two sisters even in there and they never traveled and I do oh, think wow. I do think they kind of wish they did even just for a year just to kind of yeah. you know I went to Amsterdam knowing nobody um and well that seems very insignificant now hearing what, what you did when you were 17 but you know I was um it really stood to me you know and you become stronger and more confident and you know just in terms of making friends you know it's it was I, I'm so glad I did it but I do think the experience you get from travel and living abroad for a year or two is absolutely invaluable and it was, it's always my advice whenever I speak to anyone just finishing out, you know, leaving Surrey or college, get abroad for a year or two. My husband did the same. He did a couple of summers in London and four years in Sydney. So, yeah, it's it's that experience is just invaluable. And with everything you have done so far, what advice would you give to somebody that's starting out either as a parent um, that has new kids and also wants to start a business, business venture or somebody with a business that's about to have new kids and they are really worried about What's going to happen down the line? Yeah. I suppose general advice and then I'll ask about a couple of specific things. Okay. Um, I guess in business about to have kids because I've, I've a couple, when I had Sean, I was the first of my friends to have a baby. But now with Fionn, there was a couple of us pregnant at the same time, but they was there first, my second. I guess don't sweat the small stuff. You know, things that I used to be stressed about when it came to work. Once you have a child, it seems so insignificant then, you know, um, go with your gut. Uh, you know, I guess when you have a child, it changes everything. Your priorities completely shift. If they're safe, healthy, happy, well-minded, that's all that matters. And everything else will just fall into place. You know, I used to lose sleep over the silliest things. You know, if, if, if a certain business, you know, something for Dublin Bay Cruises wasn't done when it was meant to be done, it'll get done tomorrow. You know, if somebody... If an employee handed in their notice, end of the world stuff, what are we going to do? It's fine. You know, they have their own priorities. I just think once you've kids, 
nothing seems as big a deal anymore, you know, once your kids are happy, yeah, safe. Absolutely. Healthy. That's yeah. great advice. Yeah. Specifically, any books or podcasts you'd recommend for people? Well, The Baby Tribe is well, amazing. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. Other other than The Baby Tribe. Um, parenting podcasts. I mean, there's lots online. Um, but I love kind of switching off from that yeah. when I'm when I'm listening to a podcast. I love the parenting podcasts, of course. Um, but there's nothing nicer than just, you know, putting Fiona in the buggy and going for a walk and putting in my therapist ghosted me, which you want oh, to yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Or... Uh, I have to say it, Darren Garrity, Darren and Friends are the last yeah. of your life, big fan. Um, uh, an Instagram page that I love following, Motherly. Okay. I think it's an Amer- American, um, but they put up some of the most gorgeous videos and they're so relatable. I like, I just would be scrolling on Instagram and it would stop me in my tracks, you know, to the mother who has just given birth to her second child and, you know, the kind of carnage that comes with having a toddler and a newborn or to the mother or to the father who is figuring out how he can help. And I, I find myself welling up every time I watch one of them because they're so relatable. They yeah. just, they hit that nerve and they, yeah. they just get you where it, where it hurts. Yeah. But they're, it's beautiful. I love that page, Motherly. Um, and yeah, there are so many amazing parenting Instagram pages now to follow. As I mentioned, Laura from Mind Mommy Coaching, yourself, Afif, you know, some of the tips are oh, just unbelievable, honestly. And as I said, my, you know, I was two weeks out from having Fionn and I was like, right, I need to get my head around this breastfeeding again now. And I saw that you were doing the live with Laura with Katie, yeah. and it was just such it was such a refresher. Yeah. So yeah. And Katie's yeah. nursing mama page is, nursing is amazing mama is as just well. Yeah. Like you know, she'll kill me if I don't mention it. Of yeah. course, yeah. I don't know, and, and and I had her on my list. You know, just just um, particular. All, all no matter how you're feeding your child, yeah, she just has everything covered, and it's unbelievable. And yeah. to be able to dip into her page and say, oh yeah, I saw a reel she put up about that last week. Let me check in on that again. It's just invaluable, and it's, yeah. the fact that it's, this, all this information is free like it's just unbelievable so those are i think are the real good things about social media absolutely. you know we could really absolutely. use it to do to do some good totally yeah. because i mean i don't have time to read a book i i, I yeah. wish i did i wish i did but i don't i just don't know yeah. when i would sit down with a book so to be able to just dip into things like that it's it's amazing yeah. to have well thank you so much <laughs> um finally before we wind up Fiona's probably too young to have done that to you yet, but has Sean done anything to kind of hang you out to dry? And the deal is, I have to reciprocate with one story of my own as well. Okay. Hang me out to dry, I'm not sure, but I feel like he knows when it's a good time to cause utter carnage. So I had an experience a couple of weeks back where I... Actually, it's a good few. Sean was only probably maybe a month old. So I was still kind of in the throes of getting the hang of the breastfeeding and all that. And I was sitting down and and I had put um, toys on the floor for Sean. You know, you have to keep them entertained, especially when you're trying to feed a baby. And it was only me with the two of them. But rather than playing with the toys, he decided it would be a good time to have fun with the oil in a diffuser, you know, with the sticks that stick out. So I'm there feeding Fionn and, you know, we're getting into a good rhythm. And Sean Sean is taking out the sticks one by one and decides to pick up the oil and pour the oil on our new wooden floor in our new house. And... uh, yeah, down the wall, there's still a kind of a oh stain God, the on streets. the branding yeah, paint yeah, yeah. on the wall. Oh so um, it's uh, sometimes I think he knows this is the perfect yeah, moment to get absolutely. it. Absolutely. Damn you for having a, a second baby. I, I think they do it on purpose. They do it on I purpose. I think they do it on purpose. And yeah. Like, I mean, I've, I've been writing or keeping the diary of all the times that Maggie and Faisal have hung me out to dry. And the, here's one of them. This is when she was, we were just back from Toronto. She must have been four, okay. four and a half. And at that stage, I just came back. I bought a new car. I fell in love with it. Love Give it. it a name. Okay. Um, it was like uh, a third baby. Uh, it was, it was, it was actually, the joke was, it was, it was a second wife. Okay. 
And then at the same time, I also got into like, you know, the, the Google speakers, you talk to them, they talk back to you, yes. having a lot of fun with it. And Anne is really funny. They were like, they're like your second and third wife. You talk about them all the time. You've got Google, you chat to her all the time. She chats back. She's like your second <laughs> wife and your car, you never shut up about it. It's like your third wife. <laughs> and she used to joke like that all the yes. time in front of the kids. Okay. So one weekend, Anne was on call doing a 48 hour shift. I had Maggie and Faisal in this double trolley in, 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 in super value going down the cleaning aisle. I was looking at the fairy liquid counter. There was another lady beside me. Let's call her Mary. Also looking at the fairy liquid. Maggie was in deep contemplation, looking at her brother, looking at me. And she's very loud. And she goes, Dad, do you enjoy having three wives? <laughs> Literally everybody around me stopped. Who was this guy? Mary dropped her fairy liquid on the floor <laughs> and it like smashed. And that she just looked brilliant. at me saying, come on, answer. <laughs> so what did she say? I actually, I, I could, I froze. just, I froze. Oh I froze like, God. what can I say? <laughs> if I say, oh, my second wife is Google and my third wife is, is a my car. car. <laughs> that's, that's probably. <laughs> explaining is losing. There's no just, explaining. Yeah. So I just literally grabbed her and walked out. That is and walked out. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. Go Maggie. That's brilliant. I know. Um, thank you so much. I think we'll end on one final question is what do you do for self-care to look after yourself? Me time. Um, I love walking. I love just getting out into the fresh air. Um, lately it's kind of been, we have a dog as well, Teddy. So if, if, if the two are in bed, you know, sometimes bedtime can take an hour, more than an hour. Um, and I'll say to Rory, I just need to get out yeah. and just breathe in fresh air with Teddy and a podcast. And um, that's kind of all I really find the time for at the moment. I hope when Fiona gets a little bit bigger that there'll be more glamorous self-care, like, you know, going for a facial or whatever. But um, for now, it's just getting out. And I feel like when I put in my AirPods and it's a good podcast on, you get lost in it. Yeah. And you've... You, it's, you know, you find yourself laughing out loud and it's and you come back and I genuinely feel after an hour walk with the dog in a podcast, I feel like a new woman. And yeah, I'll never give that up because I just love it. It's just Amazing. my way of just yeah. switching off completely. Well, Alva, when you have time um, to say thank you for coming on our podcast, um, Eden One, Ireland's leading luxury day spa destination, has kindly gifted you one of their signature packages. Oh my God. Yeah. And Amazing. they're delighted to have you. At any time, you have time. So I just swear. ring them up. It's almost like I led into that mentioning a facial. Look at That's that. Amazing. The segue was amazing. What yeah. a surprise. What Thank a surprise. Thank you so oh, much. No, oh, we're delighted. Gosh. And this is courtesy of Eden One. Well, Thank you so much, Eden, for providing it. Thank you, Eden One us. and Afif. That's amazing. And Katie. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for coming on our podcast. We know. really, really appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Baby Tribe podcast. We hope you found inspiration and valuable insights to help you on your parenting journey. Remember, you're doing an amazing job. Thanks for being part of the Baby Tribe community. See you next week.